So I'm, I'm arguing for pessimism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Merry Christmas to yeah. all those. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas. There's Daniel. Back for another episode. How are you this morning, Daniel? I'm doing well. Doing pretty well. Thank Good. you. I, I do have uh, one caution, though, as as we move into uh, this Christmas season. Okay. Uh, yeah, for, for any, you know, those who drink coffee or you know, just, uh, you know, special drinks or snacks out there, it always seems like peppermint would be a good flavor. <laughs> you know, of, of whatever, you know, peppermint chocolate or something, yeah. you know, maybe peppermint coffee. Um, uh, my wife just recently bought, uh, we were looking we, we make smoothies regularly, almost daily, um, and, you know, have for breakfast and, uh, and we typically use like a chocolate, um, uh, it's a, it's a non-dairy, what, what, what do you call it? Um, anyway, it's like a non-dairy protein mix, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so, so we use that. Well, she got on the site and they had like a peppermint or a peppermint chocolate flavored protein mix. I mean, man, that sounds great. And uh, maybe even like a hot chocolate option or something like that. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you see a peppermint protein mix, don't do peppermint it. Peppermint <laughs> protein mix. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it sort of tastes like yuck with an aftertaste of meh. Uh, um. <laughs> It's just, <laughs> and that was even like mixed with some of the chocolate. I but it's oh boy, hmm. um, okay. It wasn't exactly fit for consumption. It wasn't. It, it was sort of like after you tasted it, it was like, oh my goodness, this is gross. And then you're like, oh, I can sort of see where that could maybe be peppermint. Yeah, <laughs> it was that kind of that kind of taste. Hmm. Normally, anyway. I'd be a fan of uh, chocolate and peppermint. I I used to like that. Um, yeah, you know, Andy's yeah. candies. But that those particular. Oh, oh my day. goodness, those yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. But so not not everything peppermint. I'm just saying that that thing, if you see like a peppermint smoothie protein mix, maybe go, no. Nah, I'm not sure. Hard pass. They can do that. But uh that being said, we want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. Just that segue there. <laughs> I know. I was just getting ready to point out the utter disjointedness of that segue, if you can even call it that. That, that's like the, segway, what the definition of a non sequitur, right? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, oh, Jesus, wonderful. Um, <clears throat> um, it just doesn't follow. So, right. but, as you were, but it's. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I had to make this, maybe take more time uh, working on the <laughs> transitions. There. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, patrons, thank you very much for your support of uh, this episode of this episode and this podcast on an episode oh, by episode yes. basis. Oh. And uh, <laughs> come on, come on, get with the man. Um, <laughs> uh, keep it together, man. <laughs> I almost inhaled my coffee. <laughs> okay so anyway uh now let's well, yes. <laughs> since we're like disjoint let's just slam right. into some questions yes <laughs> but but thank you thank you patrons we do appreciate you um I, it, it bears mentioning we we need okay spontaneous commercial here um we need more patrons i'll just come out and say it and we know that there are a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that aren't patrons yet <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> 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 uh, 
we'd love to have you. (laughs) Yeah, we'd we'd love to have you on board with the patron family, and uh, it's not it's not expensive. You can you can do it very uh, affordably. Uh, We have several different tiers you can choose from uh, based on uh, how much you'd like to contribute, Uh, and there are perks available with each of those tiers. Um, I know you've heard us say this a thousand times: Patreon.com/slash Reason Together. But the thousand and first time, go ahead and type that into your browser and click go um, and sign up for one of those patron levels. We, uh, we'd love to have you on board. <clears throat> we've got, uh, we've got a- exciting things planned here for the blog. We've got articles in the queue, uh, ready, just about ready to go, I think. And, uh, and, and we're excited to keep things moving. We'd love to be able to, you know, start, uh, doing a little more with the blog and uh, with a few other things and uh, your support would help immensely. So patreon.com slash reason together and become part of the patron family. Thank you. And um, I was going to say, Oh, I just wanted to highlight that recently um, posted a, uh, a blog post on the nature of a good gift, Mm -hmm. you know, and we would think that the definition of a gift is basically buying, you know, freely giving something to someone that they like. <clears throat> but I think that needs to be adjusted. And that's what that article deals with. Interesting. Uh, we need to modify that uh, that consideration. What actually is a good gift? Okay. Yeah, look forward to that. So we have uh, a few questions here. Um, which, do you have a preference what we kind of... Yeah, let's see yeah. here. This one... Hmm. I don't know. We want to start with that one. That would be kind of heavy to start with. Let's let's start out. Let's start out with the the let's go Brandon question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I'm sure our our listeners are likely somewhat aware of a phrase that's been going around now for some time, mm-hmm. uh, chanting "Let's go Brandon." Of course, the the history of that being. That when a man named Brandon, I don't remember his last name in, was it NASCAR? Yeah, NASCAR. Um, won, won a race. Uh, people in the, while he's being interviewed, um, people in the stands apparently are chanting, let's, or, or, no, they're, they're chanting F Joe Biden, mm-hmm. uh, except not using just the, the letter. expletive. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, um, and so the, person doing the interview says, oh, they're saying, let's go, Brandon, you know, either because she wants to cover uh, for it or whatever. And so um, it seemed apparently to some people, I guess, that it was obvious what was being said. And she was just sort of spinning it to say, well, they're actually just cheering on this man that I'm interviewing. And so that became sort of a funny meme in a sense, if you will, that uh, in uh, as an overlay of what someone could say in a in a more vile way, they could say "Let's go, Brandon," and that um, expressed their utter disdain for the current president of the United States. And I was just <clears throat> recently uh, I kind of brought that brought that into a discussion in, in a Sunday school class um, by the fact you know we we can talk about kind of generalities of what does it mean to you know walk in the way of light and you see things from God's perspective and things like that you know um biblical wisdom but when we come to it so I so I pulled out an application like this and uh and basically just brought it down that uh that 
you know, if you, if you step back and you say, what does it mean? What does the F bomb mean? Um, and you realize how, how crass and even vile that is, um, how detestable that is. And though over time, you know, you're going to read maybe different stories, what it means or where it came from, you know, I think the current understanding for those who just not who just who don't just thoughtlessly say it, but the actual meaning of the word in more uh, contemporary past, um, you know, is is something I would suppose that technically can't be done to a man, but it still expresses that kind of that desire that he would be, if you will, uh, you know, overpowered and um, and you know, divergentized that that yeah. kind of thing. So physically it, violated. Physically, that's good. And so it, you know, expresses an utter um, contempt for someone to the point that you wish that something nasty and awful happened to them. And so if you, if you re- recognize what that word means and words mean things, uh, then, of course, the phrase, you know, F Joe Biden is horribly inappropriate for a believer. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, then if let's go Brandon means the same thing, you know, um, it's, it's way more than just a Christian cuss word. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, um, yeah. it, it's just something not at all, um, appropriate in the language of a Christian. And that's kind of what I was bringing sure. up. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I don't go around saying, you know, let's go Brandon. I don't, I don't really promote the use of it. I don't think it's a great idea. Um, but some Christians would argue that that is a way of sanitizing it, that they have taken it and changed it into something that isn't the word itself. And I think for that reason, there are some Christians who are all too excited to say it because it's like, you know, their flesh is saying, well, now I get a chance to curse and say what I really want without actually doing it. And, and to me, there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with the hard attitude that wants to do that anyway. Um, But I mean, it is it is still carrying the sentiment, and and mm-hmm. while I realize you you can take that too far, uh, to where you know, well, this means this, and then that means something else, and then that means something else, so you can't say that now, and you're now four layers deep <laughs> yeah, right, to things you right. can't say. I realize you can take that too far, but I think this this one lives pretty close to home here. Uh, the phrase is pretty well yeah. connected. And I think it would be prudent to to not use the phrase, if at all possible. <laughs> and and it's and it's good to know that I'm not saying you can't disagree with the president right. or that you can't verbalize um, that you think you know his policies are awful or that his character is distasteful or whatever. But it kind of going harkening back to I don't know a few episodes ago talking about articulation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually uh, have a vocabulary that in um, regular English terms expresses disdain mm-hmm. without being vile sure. and um, and crass and, yeah. you know, wishing harm to the man's person. <clears throat> you know, there, you can actually say it if you have a vocabulary. Well, so yeah, here's a, here's even a biblical example, right? Um, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. <laughs> <laughs> for thou sittest mm. to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. Uh, this is an example yeah. from the life of the apostle Paul, 
when the high yeah. priest commanded him to be smitten on the mouth uh, in Acts chapter 23. And, and he was smitten on the mouth and his response was calling the man a whited wall, which in, mm-hmm. in my understanding of that and, and everywhere I've looked up that verse, there's a cross reference to a passage in Ezekiel that talks about like a wall that was plastered with some sort of lime type mud, uh, like stucco, basically. It has a, a thin veneer on it to make it look pretty, mm-hmm. but over time it starts to fall off and such. Um, you know, and, and Paul in a sense just turns and calls the man that whited wall and tells him God will judge him. Um, <clears throat> and, I don't see a problem with that. And also to the point though, in that same story, when he realizes who the man is, they say, you can't speak that way to the high priest. Then he actually apologizes. He backs down and apologizes because of the man's position. Um, that's interesting yeah. that he would have said it to one person, but he wouldn't have said it to the high priest had he known. Mm-hmm. Um, and he recognized the respect of the position if, uh, if though the person yeah. was, uh, but, right. Yeah. But I don't have a phrase. I don't have a problem with calling somebody a whited wall. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to use the phrase, you know, I'd rather you say, you know, whited wall, than, you know, let's go Brandon. Yeah. That's the third option that you can either go kind of, you know, the, the supposedly scrubbed vile term let's go brandon or you can be articulate right. and use normal english words or just pull out some some word where you go you're white you're a whited wall right. and you're like what yeah now <laughs> and they stop and now even even jesus used language like that didn't he um but you have to remind me right did did he use that language of the the high priest or did he only use that of the pharisees um, I do not. Was he just referring to all of them? Yeah, I would say in um, when he was speaking, say to scribes and Pharisees, I, not to my recollection did he use it of the high priest, but he'd call them vipers or blind leaders mm-hmm. of the blind. Well, those that's yeah. descriptions, you know, to say, yeah. you know, you're 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 venomous, you're uh, deceptive, you're um, you're blind, you're unknowing, you're rebellious, you know, whatever. So I mean, obviously, there's terms to use that are true. Yeah, but it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't uh, a disgusting um term of violation on their you yeah. know, physical person or whatever that that particular on on another side term. note when he stood before the high priest when he was actually brought before him didn't he mostly keep silent <clears throat> yes yes he did so do you think am i reading into it to say that he he treated different levels of authority differently well, yes, but I, I don't know if that's exactly the cause or if it was more the timing of it. Um, okay. You know, in his final day being led as a sheep to the slaughter, he was dumb. Right. Um, you know, um, and that's, and, if it was the timing or if it was the position. And that's why I asked, because I don't want to read too much into it, because it, it would be too yeah. easy to say, okay, he was willing to speak one way to the scribes and Pharisees, but a different way to the high priest. So he recognized different levels of authority. You know, that would be too simplistic. So, which is why I asked, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to yeah, read thanks. into it, but yeah. Okay. So let, let's go, Brandon, probably not a good idea for, for Christians to. Yeah. Not a good idea. Okay. <laughs> In my opinion. I, I agree with that. <laughs> All right. Good. What, what about you? What uh, next uh, question here? Um, Hmm. This one is maybe somewhat of a philosophical question, but I ask it because I want to discuss it from the standpoint of Christians. So, okay, do you do you have a basic definition, like a, a ten second definition of the difference between pessimism and optimism? 
this, this, and there's going to be follow-up questions to this. So this is just like part one. Okay. The question, the, the first question is, do I have a 10 second definition on anything? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, um, can, can I actually verbalize something in 10 seconds or less? Um, okay. So pessimism versus, did you say realism or optimism? Optimism. Optimism. I guess typically we say pessimism is always looking on the negative side of things. Optimism is always looking on the positive side. Did I get that in under 10? You did. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Take, take note people. Um, he can, he can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Proof of concept. Um, okay. So follow up question to that. Okay. And, and, and a little bit of context here. We, we live in a fallen world, right? Where, where we know as, as Christians, uh, and, and those of us that are spiritual leaders as well, uh, you know, those of us who are parents, we know that when we deal with other fallen people in this fallen world, there's a higher statistical likelihood people will not follow our counsel versus follow our counsel, right? Mm-hmm. There's a higher statistical likelihood that people will tend toward the flesh than toward spiritual things. There's a higher statistical likelihood that people will <clears throat> reject and deny scripture than those who will receive receive it peaceably and such. Because of the 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 nature, uh, the sin nature being what it is, and and as prevalent as it is, does that make pessimism? a more realistic outlook than optimism? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that's um, a little, I, I'd say it, it kind of depends on the scenario, like what we're talking about. For instance, if we say, um, I think what stands as realism, and I'm, this may be cliche, but is biblicism in the sense that to to see from god's perspective is to say that um and this is the this is the thought that often comes to mind when you talk about saying statistically more people uh won't listen or that things are going to go south or that the world's going to get more evil i think about the the uh, verse um for for broad is the way mm-hmm. and wide is the gate or wide is the yep. gate and broad is the way um, where, where, you know, straight is the way and narrow is the, is the gate that, that leads to right. life. And so broad is the way that leads to destruction, indicating it seems like that there's many people there where few there be that find the way of sure. life. So that just seems to be a, if you will, a reality, a biblical reality. Um, and yet if someone says, Oh, you know, this person, he, you know, he prayed and he accepted the Lord. And I suppose he was genuine, but uh, there's just no hope for him. He's so, uh, you know, he's so messed up and things like that. Well, again, a biblical perspective is that he can be transformed mm-hmm. um, and that God, you know, truly can work to, yeah. to, to change his life. So, so to say, you know, well, he's saved, but he'll never amount to anything. I don't know that that's, that, that pessimism is warranted, but to say, Hey, I'm going to go out and evangelize and expect eight out of 10 people to get saved. That's then right. more of, if you want to say a pessimism is warranted. Yeah. And, and, and I, I want to be careful not to over, overdo the characterization of pessimism. So like we view the pessimist as, as always saying, uh, oh, they'll never amount to anything. And, and that's the pessimistic view. But I think it's just, mm-hmm. it, I think it's no different than someone saying, well, 
there's less of a likelihood they'll amount to something. Because if I know, if you think that's a pessimism, yeah, I think that's a pessimism. You know, to 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 say they'll never amount to anything, you're overdoing in a sense the portrayal of pessimism. Pessimism is just, in my understanding of it, it's just it's it's an outlook on something that tends to consider mm-hmm. the negative statistic higher than the positive one. Okay, and okay. It, you know, and and we view pessimism often as mm-hmm. an attitudinal problem, where someone is just like, "Oh, they'll it'll never work," you know, and boo hoo, and all this, mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's an over dramatic, over dramatized characterization of pessimism. Um, okay, okay, I see. So it's kind of a scale where the where the negative outweighs the positive, but it's not full on negative. Everything. Right. For, for instance, you know, someone looks okay. at the 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 creation itself cursed by sin. Things decay over time. They get worse Mm -hmm. over time. Things break and you have to fix them, right? The Mm -hmm. pessimist goes to buy a house and all they see is the stuff they're going to have to fix (laughs) in the future (laughs) because they have have this outlook that, okay, I realize in the world we live in, things break, things wear down. Whereas the optimist looks at the house almost emotionally so and says, what a great place to live. And they're often not considering the negative aspect of it at all, um, mm-hmm. whereas the, the pessimist is is hardly considering the the positive aspect of it. So I I, I think it's it's a mischaracterization to view these as attitudes, and you know because <clears throat> the common trope is I see. pessimism mm-hmm. is wrong, almost to the point where pessimism is sinful. Right. And optimism mm-hmm. is holy. Optimism is right. But yet the pessimist looks at the optimist as being naive and the optimist looks at the pessimist as being morally bankrupt. Um, I, <laughs> I don't think it's that at all. Um, I think pessimism is just simply looking at the world and saying, okay, the creation is cursed. The sin nature has cursed people's thinking. My own flesh is a problem in my life. And I've seen where all of these things can go wrong. So it is more likely in scenario X that it's going to go wrong, (laughs) right? (laughs) So the pessimist prepares for those things that can go wrong. Whereas the optimist, in a sense, doesn't look at uh, the the sin nature the same way, even though they realize they have one and that other people have sin natures, they, they, in a sense, don't consider the negative as much as the pessimist does. So the optimist would tend to be more encouraging uh, when you do fall. They would say, it's okay. It'll, it'll, you know, you, you can get over this. You can do better because they're bringing you back to what they see as right from their perspective where the pessimist is like, well, well that's what I expected. Right. Well, and well, and the pessimist also sees, well, no, they're probably not going to get over this because from what everything I've seen about people, they typically don't. <laughs> yeah. So obviously each one needs to be balanced to a point. I mean, I obviously has, has some has, needs to fill out their perspective in right. a way. Would that be fair? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think balance is necessary. Okay. Okay. But the question, the original question is based on what we know about the sin nature, the flesh, the creation itself being cursed, is pessimism more of a realistic view than optimism, thus making optimism slightly more maybe naive is pessimism more realistic considering the world we live in hmm. um <clears throat> is, it, is pessimism more realistic that's funny because it kind of brings together the two terms <laughs> in other words is pessimism closer to reality than optimism? yes that's the question uh, hmm 
Um, in some ways, I suppose, I'd, and I, some people are like, what, wait, 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 you know, it might disagree with us and we want to hear their feedback at reason together podcast at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, I think I tend to tend to lean to what you're saying. Um, really? the, the area where I think of it is, um, you know, often in politics, mm-hmm. how, how can we turn America around? You know, we, how can we change all this? Well, uh, can it be turned around to some degree? I, I think there's a lot of things that could go on and the Lord could even bring about and, uh, dire situations in the past where people thought, Oh my goodness, we're going to be taken over. And, and, and then now here we are, you know, so, you know, decades later and we've gone through another you know, period, if you will, of economic prosperity. But if you understand that by and large, the people are sinful mm-hmm. and they're not, mm-hmm. uh, they're even when they advocate for moral causes, that's not a consistent view throughout their life. Right. Um, so I can appreciate that you know the Republican platform still, uh, you know, stands for life, and yet I can also understand that a lot of Republicans do that somewhat inconsistently because they don't really have a moral basis. Mm-hmm. Um, conservatism works for them pragmatically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it preserves the values that uh, make for a comfortable country, but it's not because things are morally right or that they look to God or that they stand on that foundation. Right. It's just uh, what works. Well, if you, if you sort of divorce yourself from God and yet try to hold on to a position for pro-life and for um, you know, conservative economy and politics, you've really kind of moved yourself off the foundation of what makes sense of those things or how those things make sense. So anyway, I can see that and I can say even even amongst conservatives, there's probably a hollowing out over the years mm-hmm. um, of the moral yeah. core. It's going in one direction. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like even if there is somewhat of a political conservative revival, as it were, in the country, and people start adopting more Christian values for a period of time, in the big time scale, things are still moving in one direction. Um, and, yes, and, and yeah, that, that's a good point. Good way to put it. Yeah. And that we know from scripture that things are going to wax worse and worse, um, that we shouldn't expect the world to be trending in, in a morally upward direction. And I, I've been thinking about that too recently. You know, you'll often see um, political, uh, <clears throat> um, those who hold political office, you'll see sometimes in uh, people who are kind of turncoats in a way, you'll see Republicans who are acting like Democrats and they're voting for, for democratic things. Uh, and they're, they're, they seem to be totally off the platform of what conservatives want, but yet they're, they're, they're a Republican, but yet mm-hmm. you don't really ever see someone on the, the other side very often yeah, who, right. who is a, a, you know, a registered Democrat, you know, holding political office and they're voting for conservative things. And, and I realize there are some exceptions to that, but you often see it going one way and not the other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think that's just kind of the way the world trends because we live in this sin-cursed world. There's scriptural prophecy concerning the direction the world's going to go and so on. And and that's why I kind of tend to think that when it comes to an outlook, not an attitude, okay, but an outlook of, of pessimism versus optimism, I think pessimism tends to be more realistic and optimism tends to be somewhat naive. Um, when we, when we look at kind of the state of creation and the state of the world and, and the nature of our flesh and so on. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm arguing for pessimism. 
<laughs> okay. Well, Merry Christmas to yeah. all those. <laughs> um, all right. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, I could see. Yeah, that's it. Again, in, glad that we kind of brought it to that that point that the flow of if you will, the flow of time yeah um that it is slowly gradually like a stream with a, a soft current moving one direction yep um and to recognize that isn't um ungodly <laughs> yeah do uh All right. do we want to do a patron question here sure okay um there's let's see let's do this one that came in most recently um, this one is, yeah, I haven't read this one titled Christian cancel culture. It, it almost seems like okay. we've talked about this before. Um, but anyway, maybe he, here's, here's what he says. Okay. Uh, the subject is cancel culture and the IFB, uh, the IFB, in case you don't know is independent fundamental Baptists. Um, <clears throat> question. I recently heard someone insinuate that it's ironic that our churches are critical of the cancel culture since we're the ones who invented it. And, and our patron says, while that's obviously an inflammatory remark, it got me wondering what is the difference between cancel culture and the way we practice separation from those with whom we disagree. Okay. Um, two things to stay here. Number one, uh, we're not going to stand here and defend the way that all IFBs separate. Um, Correct. And and how they do it. <laughs> uh, second point to note, and we must have talked about this before because I re- recall you saying, um, and I'm talking about this, not the IFB connected to cancel culture, but cancel culture. Uh, the point of cancel culture isn't just to say, I disagree with you. You know, um, you, you we're not on the same page here. It's basically, you don't follow the party line. Um, you don't, you don't, um, spout the talking points so i want to destroy you (laughs) i want you never to have a you know a job in in your field of expertise again that's cancel culture yeah and um at first blush i would say i don't think that honestly the ifb is quite that way um Um, hold on okay all right (laughs) now i'm more i'm more sheltered here uh i've been i guess i've been in more i've been in nicer ministries over the year yeah but, and I realize that I am I'm using an availability heuristic here when when I say this and and by an availability heuristic yes, meaning, meaning this that this is what I see from my standpoint. Okay, I haven't surveyed every independent fundamental Baptist church in America. I haven't been to every single one. <laughs> this isn't scientific. Uh, this is not scientific. Uh, this comes okay. from a personal anecdotal experience. I think I have actually shared this on the podcast before but I don't remember if it was on the air or off the air. I don't recall, but I have personal experience with being canceled by an, <laughs> a fundamentalist pastor, right? Um, I was going to be preaching at a conference um, and um, one of the pastors that was going to be there, um, he and I had had a falling found out. out that you, found out that you were my friend and they said, oh, if you're a friend of Daniel, you can't preach it. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no, but it was actually no, very okay. similar. So I had made friends with another pastor in that state. Mm-hmm. And this pastor came in and took a church there in that state. And he's a very conservative pastor. He's very biblically sound. But the church that he took had kind of a history of trending towards new evangelical things, uh, mm-hmm. trying to blend things a little bit. 
And he and thus had been kind of branded. Right. The church had been branded. He mm-hmm. comes in and takes the church and his goal was to turn it around, to teach and to preach the scriptures faithfully, um, to be a godly example of what a separated life looks like. And the church just wasn't really following his lead very well. <clears throat> and And because he took this church, other pastors in the state just kind of immediately branded this guy as a new evangelical, right. even though he wasn't. Right. And I, here I am. I'm friends with this guy. <laughs> so long story short, another pastor in the state who I knew found out that I was friends with this guy and immediately brands me as a new evangelical. Um, like just sends me an email just with nothing but accusation, no questions, just accusations. And uh, um, long story short, the conference I was supposed to preach at, this pastor was going to bring his his youth group to this conference. And when he heard that I was the guest speaker, he told the host pastor <clears throat> that if if I'm the host speaker, he's not bringing his group. And now the host speaker is in a bind because the host mm-hmm. the, or the host pastor is in a bind because here like half of his attendance was coming from this guy's church. But mm-hmm. yet he's also friends with me. And he knows I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> so he has this choice to make. Either I cancel, you know, Tom Balsamo, or I tell this guy, you know, sorry, then I guess you can't bring your group. Well, he ended up canceling me. And and I don't fault him for that, honestly. And I, I've said this before. I, I understood where he's coming from. And um, in the situation, there are other details involved that I can't give. But in the situation, I think I think he kind of was forced to cancel me. And I don't fault him for it. Um, but when we talked on the phone, we kind of had this mutual understanding that, yeah, I know you didn't do anything wrong, but I'm kind of in this position where I have to cancel you. And I was like, okay, well, I don't hold it against you. <laughs> it's it's really him. That's the problem. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I experienced actual Baptist cancel culture. Um, I got canceled. I got disinvited <laughs> uh, for no reason really at all, other than some guy's, you know, petty whims um, and, and juvenile behavior. But <clears throat> all that to say, that is not an isolated incident. I know of other pastors who have been disinvited for similar reasons. Um, and while I, I want to be careful to say, is there a time when you should do something like that? Yes. Uh, I think that there are some guest speakers yeah. like like we had at our church. Um, our church was invited to send our young people to one conference. And I knew the guest speaker was, uh, he was biblically sound, theologically sound, but he has this major attitude problem that is just ungodly and unholy. And he sucks people into it. And people tend to, after being around his influence, they end up very, very, uh, angry and negative and spiteful of others. So <clears throat> I, I thought, you know, it's probably best that, you know, our young people at our church not go to that conference. And maybe next year when there's a better speaker, maybe they can go to it then. Um, so yeah, is there a time when, you know, you should withhold your people from going? Yeah. But I didn't call up the, the conference and be like, you know, Hey, you should cancel this speaker. I didn't do that. <laughs> right. Mm. Um, but yeah, cancel culture does exist in independent fundamental Baptist circles, though, though we tend to not really consider ourselves fundamentalists uh, per se. Um, but yeah, it is out there. 
<clears throat> yeah, and that's a whole different discussion as far as the fundamentalist part and things like that. Do we believe the fundamentals? Sure. Yes. Um, and all that. But so, it, although I would have to go back to the original um, remark um, that uh, cancel, you know, we're, it's ironic that we're critical of cancel culture since we're the ones that invented it. <clears throat> that's a pretty short side. Number one, that's um, it's a pretty short sighted view of history. Um, yes. You know, uh, to think that nobody prior to the IFB canceled people in that way. Right. You know, like I can think of, you know, I can think of Waldensians, you know, hiding in a cave and getting smoked out and getting their heads cut off um, by, you know, the church, if you will, who is not uh, not Christian, if you will. Right. Um, that would certainly that would certainly uh, at least be cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? And that was the predecessor of Baptists today. Um, so uh, prior to, you know, well before IFB was that, and I'm sure that well before that, we could go yeah. back to, oh, maybe Cain and Abel. Yeah. And um, as long as there has Cain been people. canceling Abel, <laughs> you know, um, it's... <laughs> but I think there's a key distinction here um, in kind of in, in the patron's question here. He asks, what is the difference between cancel culture and the way we practice separation from those with whom we disagree? Um and I think I think you touched on it earlier, but you know, to maybe expand on it a little bit, you know, when we separate from someone, when it gets to the point where we have to separate from someone, um, it it doesn't have to be ugly, and the goal is not to destroy the other person's life and their livelihood. Um, whereas cancel culture is a graceless culture, where they seek mm -hmm. to literally ruin someone. Um, to ruin their entire source of income and their entire testimony going forward so that no one will ever invite them to anything ever again. Um, cancel culture is, is graceless in many ways, whereas separation can be done gracefully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and maybe I'm conflating a couple things here, but would we call it, I've heard, heard it called like, you know, the pitchfork mob or whatever, if that's speaking of cancel culture too. Yeah, kind of. Where... And, and going to, I guess, a little bit of your point of graceless, it's, uh, to me, it is, um, what would be a word? It's without a compass in the sense that, and I'm talking about the cancel culture, because it's so volatile and malleable and unforgiving. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's whatever happens to be the best talking point at the time, though it may be utterly inconsistent with itself in right. two weeks, you know, or something sure. like that. Um, so, so there is no really bedrock of truth that cancel culture rests on. It's just what, um, you know, is, is whatever the social, what, whoever's driving that, uh, is doing where I think with, with separation, Christian separation, there is at least ideally a doctrinal base. Yeah. And, and the point is to express that truth and to say, here, here's our point of disagreement. Now, for some, it's going to be, I don't think violence the way would come across right. <clears throat> uh, the, the, the disagreement is strong mm -hmm. in that I might sense this person is a false teacher. You know, they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. <clears throat> they are um, something like that. So I'm not, we're, it's not going to be gentle and kind and say, look, if you could just maybe quiet down a little bit, it's going to be a rough separation. Mm -hmm. Where other people, it's to say, look, <clears throat> when you, you know, when you joined this body, 
you know, you, um, you know, you agreed together with us to abide by this statement of faith. And this act, uh, you know, gives us a black eye and, and is, a, is a poor representation of Christ mm-hmm. and things like that. And we, we have to separate. We can no longer do this. But a point, of course, is, to, is, is by the separation to bring the person to repentance and bring them back. Mm-hmm. Um, not to make them grovel to us as people, but to see them, to, to cause them to see the truth. Right. Where in the cancel culture, you you grovel, you apologize for something that wasn't even wrong, right. and then you're still kicked to the curb, and it right. doesn't really matter. Exactly um, right. And so uh, there there is some difference. Now, again, the way some people in uh, quote unquote Christian people, um, now I'm not I'm not doubting their Christianity. I'm doubting the way that they're handling it. Do they handle it a Christian way? No, not really, mm-hmm. or a wise way. So it, you brought out that, I thought that was interesting. So you kind of brought out that distinction where we could have both said, I'm not going to that to that um, speaking engagement. I'm not going to that, what would you call it? I'm Conf- blanking conference. out on the word. Conference. I'm, I'm not going to that conference. But the one said, if you don't cancel that person, I'm not coming to the conference. The other one just didn't come. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now I guess if the pastor would ask, Hey, why aren't you going to be able to make it? Just say, you tell you the truth, brother. I'm not comfortable with this speaker here, but there's no demands put on it per se. Anyway, that was a different approach. Um, and so, you know, to the person's remark, has he seen, has he seen Christians, um, vilify other Christians? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, and does that look like cancel culture? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and does it does it resemble it? Mm-hmm. So so sure. but but to cast that upon all of us, and again, that goes back to when you the IFB. It, it's just kind of funny to me. Uh all you IFB. Well, there's no such thing. Um, that's the I of the IFB is independent. Yeah. You know, is that we're we're unique structure. And so to say that every independent church out there is this way. Well, no, not necessarily. No. Are there some sweet spirited kind, you know, doctrinally um, sound, uh, you know, godly ones out there? And are there ones that are more fleshly and hyper authoritarian? And well, sure. Yeah. You're going to see that distinction. And so uh, anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think there's some interesting side conversations that can come from that, which we might have to take into the after show. Mm -hmm. But, One of them would be what role do discernment ministries play in this perception of Christian cancel culture? You know, Mm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. by discernment ministries or ministries of warning. Um, Yeah, that I actually I've got a blog post coming out soon about you know a warning about warning ministries. So, um, <laughs> just, just to tease it a little bit, I, I think there's some interesting things uh, about them that maybe people have always wondered, wh- why does this feel weird and gross? What's wrong with this? Um, th- this, hmm. this, this article hopefully will shed some light on why it feels so strange. Um, though, I, though I think there's a place for such a thing in, in a certain way, but you know, um, that that'll be coming out hopefully you know, this week sometime, but I think that's a related discussion to this Christian cancel, cancel culture thing, um, that we ought to take into the after show. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Boy, so much more could be said about that. Um, 
Yeah. But we are pretty much at the end of our time and need to go for today. Yes. And so we'll just have to save some more questions. But we always do like to hear from you. Uh, any questions that you have, any thoughts about, um, you know, just rattling around in there about any any aspect of life and, and how it connects and, and what would be a, a Christian way of thinking about it. Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and if you would like to join us on the after show, like I said, there's some more things on this conversation that need to be said, and we're out of time to say them. So if you want to hear them, <laughs> you've got to go over to patreon.com slash reason together. We need you to become a patron. <laughs> you. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. Um, that's right, you. Um, patreon.com slash reason together <laughs> and uh, become a patron there at the elite level and that will get you the after show but any of the other levels are good too if you've got other perks that you're interested in um, that's patreon.com slash reason together anyway that's all that we've got for this one we'll see you on the next episode we are encouraging balance developing perspective and connecting faith to practice this is reason together <laughs>